I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. This podcast is made in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. Hello. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Two Nice Jewish Boys podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Today Hi. we're talking about elections, about scandals, and about the patriarchy. The patriarchy. But before we talk about all that, um, we're live in several places. First of all, this is Eitan. I'm Naor. If you guys don't know us, we're the Two Nice Jewish Boys podcast. And we're collaborating with two amazing uh, partners. One is the Jewish Journal. They're at jewishjournal.com. Mm-hmm. And the other is... Arut Sheva, Israel National News. You can check them out at israelnationalnews.com. And guys, you can comment. Uh, yeah, seriously, like, comment tell- on the post. Tell us what you think. Ask us questions. We'll try to keep track, uh, yeah. you know, while we go and answer questions. And uh, If you like uh, what you hear, we're everywhere on Spotify, we're everywhere. iTunes. We're everywhere. With amazing guests. Just look out your window. Also upcoming guests. We're, we're going to have Ronan Bergman. Yeah, okay. uh, tomorrow to talk about uh, some really interesting stuff. So check it out. Okay, before we get started, also yes. we want to mention our great sponsors at the Chosen One, the Chosen One card game. You can find them at thechosenonegame.com. You guys have to check out this game. First of all, it's an amazing holiday gift. It's an amazing gift for Hanukkah's coming know, up. Yeah, Hanukkah, Christmas. Seriously, this is like the best Hanukkah Ramadan. gift ever. It's basically a question and answer card. You match them up. One person picks a question, the other person picks an answer card, and the 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 combinations are hilarious. It's Jewish oriented. It's you know it's seventeen plus, but you know it's a very very fun game. So check them out, thechosenonegame.com, and you can use our promo code two NJB. Sorry, two NJB. Yeah, the the number two NJB, and you use that on their website, and you get a discount. So check them out, thechosenonegame.com. So yeah. Well, where do we start from? Oh my God, there's so much, man. An interesting thing happened last week. Very interesting story. So this family of uh, like the grandson, the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. One day she found out that a letter that her grandmother wrote from, I think, Auschwitz is about, is offered for sale um in a in a what's the word in an auction in an auction in an open auction yeah she was amazed here in israel the auction here in israel turns out this uh guy who's a Haredi pr person pretty famous he's the father of uh Zilberschlag, i think or a relative his name is dudi Zilberschlag. he in his free time his business is uh, buying and selling memorabilia Apparently, some of it is a Holocaust-related memorabilia. He also happens to have uh, another job. Yeah, he's also on the board of Yad Vashem, <laughs> which is, which is interesting. Of, uh, yeah. What a conflict of interest there. So the family went to the Supreme Court and asked to so stop... So wait, so wait, let's slow down for a second. Okay. So this family... Are people watching us on the Ruth Sheva and Jewish Journal? I yeah? hope so. Let's yeah, see. But so, so this family... Ooh, we got 22 people. Cool. Hey guys, um, uh, so okay, so this family is uh, finds out that it was the letter sold. It was no, it was offered. You know, so it was up for auction. Yeah, well, hasn't been sold yet. No, and they're like, hey, this is ours. 
this is our grandmother's letter. Yeah. It's yeah, it's belongs it shouldn't, to us. Yeah, or or to Yad Vashem maybe. Like, Which is crazy because if you like, there aren't there sometimes attempts to reclaim possessions from the German government, things that have gone lost or that have been art. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you would think that if uh, something is in possession here in Israel, it would find its rightful owner. Right. I I don't know uh, like what's the legal. Uh, issue here yeah. uh what the law says exactly i think it's it's gray um okay so this family they go to the supreme court yeah and they are their argument is basically like you can't in israel in the jewish state you can't trade holocaust re- related memorabilia for money for money yeah, yeah you, you can't use it as a, you can't sell it yeah as a you can make a business off of it so it's not it's, moral so where do and, we stand and, now and and wait and 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 uh, Dudi Zilberschlag, the owner said look this is like i bought it i don't know where from but l- let's say for 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 the sake of the argument he went abroad and found it in an auction and bought it with a, and paid probably a nice sum for it and he's like it's my property now I mean, yeah. uh, I, it's From my like, right. Yeah, and the family says it's immoral that the guy who who is on the board of Yad Vashem uh, is also trading Holocaust-related memorabilia. And the the, the court ruled that uh, the selling of this item should be mm, suspended for the time being. Uh, the, there is not yet a final decision. But that's the situation now, and I w- it's a very interesting conflict of. Yeah, it is. It's. It, I mean, it, it has to be said that it kind of makes sense that the that a member of the board of Yad Vashem would trade in Holocaust memorabilia because uh, an I assume. Yeah, I'm assuming that no, that that's his passion in life, right? Holocaust history and and memorabilia. So right. you know, it makes sense that he would buy and trade in that. And then you know, but it is—it's a weird situation. And also, what's the what's the red line here? Like, if if we if we can sell uh, letters, what about Nazi memorabilia? I mean, why can't we trade that? Where, what where is the? And yeah. You're the big free market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if someone wants to, right? I mean, how does a how does a museum procure this stuff? If you're gonna have In to, auctions, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to be able to buy it. So why shouldn't someone be able to buy Nazi? memorabilia question is if there should be a law in israel saying you cannot if if you happen to own um an item that's holocaust related which is not like from your family and you got it in an auction or something you gotta give it to yad vashem for example should there be such a law if you bought it yeah no but that's if you want to you can maybe you can't sell it can can you sell it to yad vashem I, I mean, what would be the, then no one would buy any, that you would either have a black market in Holocaust memorabilia or no one would buy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which seems to me kind of pointless. But the family, I mean, you you can relate to the family as well. Ah, mean, yeah, you can understand. They want the letter. Yeah. But then again, they can buy it in the auction if it's really important for them. Yeah. And this is, you know, it kind of brings up the issue that in Israel, you go straight to the Supreme Court. Yeah. It's like with any little thing. It's like, right. hey, and the Supreme this Court, out. yeah, and they can do. They have immense power. Yeah, and they can rule. Like they can stop auctions. They can stop. They ha- they can do practically anything. In theory, they can overrule. And then what's messed up is that okay, the Supreme Court decides something. Who do you appeal to? 
You can't appeal. No. There's nowhere else to go. Right. There's a... There, there's a which kind of highlights, the, and we're going a bit off topic, but kind of highlights the whole justice system, like the uh, a certain flaw in the justice system here, which is the idea that you go up through the justice system, and uh, as it works in the United States, where you start at you know more local courts, and then slowly, if you're not happy with the with the with the uh, verdict, you appeal to the higher court, and to the higher court, and then eventually you reach the Supreme Court. But this right. way, you have checks and balances all the way up. And finally, okay, so if all these courts have decided the same, then you can say, okay, you know what? We have a bunch of different opinions on this. But if you go straight to the Supreme Court, the power is in the hands of, I don't know, you know, however many judges they decide to put, maybe one, maybe three. Yeah, the only thing you can do is, is, is legislate a new law. That would counter the and decision, then, and then they can knock that and then, down. And then, yeah, you can appeal against <laughs> that law, and then, yeah, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so next up, yeah, we're talking. We recently had a guest on the podcast. You guys should listen to the uh, the episode. It's uh, not out yet. Uh, actually, that's true. Yeah, it's but a, it'll it's be a, coming out soon. Yeah, it's, it's coming out next week. Yara uh, Cohen. Right. Um, we recorded it last week. We're going to release it in next week, I guess. Yeah. But there were some fierce arguments. And beforehand, we won't since... <laughs> we should give, first of all, we should give like a, like a introduction to who right. she is. She's the uh, founder of uh, Politically Correct, which is an uh, Israeli organization, NGO, that... Uh, that uh, basically gives a perspective on news articles and uh, content that's coming feminist out through the media, a perspective. feminist perspective. Yeah. Uh, politically correct literally translates to, uh, uh, politically correct translates to she reads. Right. So like she reads political content, basically. Um, and we've had other guests where this topic has come up, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've had plenty of other guests. I yeah. think we might have discussed it with Daphne Leaf. Daphne Leaf was the uh, also kind of Daniel Barron. Yeah, I guess. Daphne Leaf was the leader of the 2011 uh, protests here. Yeah, uh, the social justice protests that uh, Barron, Daniel Barron. But we've talked a lot about privilege, right? Um, and in, in the episode, you'll hear it next week when we release it. Um, the word came up a lot, and then I said, and I didn't have time to elaborate because it was very intense conversation there. But I said, I don't, I don't believe. And I don't accept the concept of privilege. Yeah. How uh, come? Because, look, privilege here That's in Israel... That's a privileged viewpoint. Yeah. That was her response. Yeah, I know. That's a privilege. It's, you can't it's really... A ar- it's a tautology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't argue your way out of that. Right. I don't believe in privilege. Well, that's privilege. Yeah. Nowadays in Israel, I don't know what's going on in the States, but in Israel... Yeah, I guess in the States as well. Like, the word privileged is thrown at you so quick. All usually like two seconds before the racist. word racist is thrown at you. It goes yeah. privilege. Like if you heard, if you were called privileged, you know you're about to be called racist. Yeah, it's, it's only happening. a matter of time. Yeah, it's you can set the clock. Um, and so, and I said I don't believe in in, the, in this concept because well, why do people use it here to say essentially you should be thankful uh, for the fact that you have education that you your parents had 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 uh, the funds to raise you and to send you to school and to take care of you mm-hmm. and because you were you grew up in such circumstances you are not allowed to judge or criticize anyone who grew up in less 
in circumstances that are less fortunate. Yeah. It's all a matter of luck. They yeah. they claim. Well, I think it's it's it goes even deeper than that. The okay. idea is that like is that from your perspective, right? From your privileged perspective, you can't You're blind. understand the point of view of a person who is at a level lesser uh less privileged perspective right which means basically it comes back to the argument i mean this gets a bit philosophical but it comes back to the argument of absolute truth right and whether or not there is an absolute truth because the idea is that like Mm -hmm. if you're a privileged person and you can't look at another underprivileged person and pass judgment on them based on your absolute truths because your absolute truths aren't true to them but then it fall, all falls apart because There's another where do you draw problem. the line? Because if someone um, was born in a poor neighborhood and worked his way up and became successful, like Itzhak Tshuva is a good example, mm-hmm. okay? Itzhak Tshuva was no one. Uh, he was and he be, he was a construction worker, and slowly but surely, he, he's an Israeli who, who built his, his real estate empire by simply being a good businessman and innovation yeah. and... and and excelling in what he did in his job. So, but once you cross that line and you become successful, even if you came from, right, from hard yeah. background, then you cross the privilege bridge threshold. Yes, and there's no going back. Now, yeah. even though you know where you came from and you know the people from the same mentality, you are now privileged because you can't because understand someone who's never crossed the line. Exactly. So yeah. now you can't say anything. So it's a you can't go out of this. Speaking argument. of people who cross the line, I think it's important that, I mean, that they have to define it that way because otherwise the whole thing would fall apart. What happens is you look at, at the United States. I'm not sure what actually the statistics are here. I'm not exactly. I'm not even sure exactly about the numbers in the states. But you look at income mobility, and people are talking always about how the poor are getting poorer. And in the United States, I think it's a large majority, over fifty percent of people are at some point in their life in the top 10, 5%. Right. Meaning they reach that level. People are constantly moving up and down, which is just a testament to the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're privileged or not privileged. If you have the perseverance, you have the determination, you have the... Merit. The, the, yeah. The, well, if you just simply have like the right values, then you can climb... The th- the only difference between Israel and America is that in America you can claim okay there are certain families who made their fortune in the time of slavery right in the time of I don't know what yeah but they would say the same about you know that you, that here people made their fortunes on the on the on, what? on the on the in, in the wake of occupation or on the backs of Palestinians okay or, but you know but saying? but let's but let's stay in the argument within Israeli society okay let's and let's rule out those extremists who would say we did it over occupation but my point is if you put aside occupation for a second in the 30s 40s 50s and 60s there was nothing quite everyone started from zero more or less like people might have come from germany in 32 with some money but still, like they had no language, maybe their occupation was irrelevant, right? So, no, but I don't, they, I don't think that's this. Meaning, there was still there was the mapai, right? And if you didn't have, if you weren't a member of the party, you were a lot of the time screwed. Mm, well, so but, it's like, but back but then everybody it, were. Uh, in the most 30s, of the people in the thirties and the forties, yeah. everybody were on mapai, and th- and later in the fifties and sixties, I mean, yeah, it helped if you were a member of the party. 
Yeah. But many people weren't. But if but if we look even further to this to the sixties and seventies, where many still many Jews came from Mizrahi countries also, uh, but also Ashkenazi countries. Like my my grandparents and father came in seventy three, which yeah. is relatively late. And m- my point is, most people started from nothing. Even if you had the the you, you were a member of the party, right? Mm-hmm. You would still get like my my grandfather and grandmother. From the other side, they were members, but they still were very hard-working people who, who who made like a few liras, and and had nothing. They built it like up. it didn't help yeah. you become rich. Maybe it got you a job and you had something to put on the table, but not. So my point is that everybody started from uh, from more or less the more same or less place. The same place. And the what makes the difference today, like uh, what I tell people, they t- call me privileged. I say, but like, why am I privileged? I mean, my parents worked hard their whole life. Their parents worked extremely hard, and you know they saved some money. But it's and, it's more than that. I mean, come on, it's like if you're born to. It's not like if you're born to rich parents. I mean, that your life is set. There are plenty of people who squander their riches, end up getting addicted to drugs because they don't they don't have the right values. They don't find meaning in life. And then mm-hmm. they, they, they might start off at this point that you're calling privileged. But in the end, they, it all ends up crumbling beneath them because they, they don't aren't like, you know, uh, on the right path. The big question is, what's the but big you know difference? What's, the, the, people are going to watch this and say it's two privileged, privileged white guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talking about That's privilege the thing, right? and the patriarchy. You can't, you, can't, you can't have an objective argument. Uh, but but my point is, what is the difference between Romanian Jewish family that came in '73 and built themselves from nothing, and they were not educated, they didn't have university degrees or anything, to a family I don't know of of, of Russian Jews who came in '92 from nothing? If if even the '92 family, the the family who came in '92 had more opportunities than the family that came in '73. So no, but that you see, that's the that's the funny thing is, is that you say more opportunities, and that really is the the truth. Like in in a, in today in Israel's society today, I mean, come on, guys, in the sixties, seventies, eighties, Israel was a shitty place. Excuse my language to live. Like, yeah, no one wanted to come here. That's why Tel Aviv's prices have been skyrocketing. No one like it was in the dirt in that period because no one wanted yeah. to come here no one wanted to be here it wasn't that great of a country moreover in the 30s in the twi- in, like when my grandfather came in 25 they starved well yeah i mean like, back then it's not like, even like uh but what i'm saying is that most people so you look at israel today mm-hmm. it is just like a uh like a like it's just like a like there's it's a land of possibilities i mean there's plenty of opportunity here like, right there's just tons of opportunity Whatever you're looking, if you're looking just to find a job or if you're an entrepreneur or whatever it is that right. you want to do, you can come here and you can do it. But the whole privilege perspective of the argument looks at the situation now and says, no, 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 no. Now the game is already set. Right. There are the people at the top. There are the people at the bottom. And it's just this like completely closed, narrow-minded way of looking at society where like there's like a fixed you know, picture, and wherever you enter, that's where you stay. Right, and, and there's also a problem of of numbers. For example, there was a huge article now that uh, Arab Palestinians from East Jerusalem 
the numbers of Palestinians from East Jerusalem who, who go to study in the Hebrew University in the last decade skyrocketed. Wow. Okay. And I mean, yeah. But the occupation's horrible. No. So first of all, it goes to show what the Likud, like, you can't say the Likud hasn't done anything. Like, the numbers talk. Yeah. That's the first uh, fact. And the second fact is that, like, these are not necessarily rich families. And granted, going to university in Israel is much cheaper than America. But still, it's an expense. So only if it's important to you and you want to... To, like if education is important to you if it, then like these families that I presume some of them are hard working laborers um, who do from building you know construction to I don't know what small business owners they don't come from easy backgrounds in East Jerusalem but since education is important they save money they send their children to the Hebrew University and mm-hmm. their children will now be doctors and And I don't know, computer scientists and, and all this and, and programmers in high tech. Hopefully leaders Hopefully. in the Palestinian community. So, so, so that's a live example yeah. that if you, save, if you work hard, save money and invest it in your children's education here in Israel, then you can pull your family, family out. Even of, if you're an East Jerusalem Palestinian. Yeah, which is a pretty which extreme like, example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so and, we don't want to, you know... For, it's not, you know, we're talking about a lot of the stuff that we talked about with Yara Cohen. We really, when the episode comes out, we really yeah. uh, like encourage you guys to listen to it. Um, we we love, in general, just so you guys have a, an idea of what the podcast is all about, we love bringing people on with uh, with opposing opinions. We've Even had, if they call us racist. We have Avner Gvaryahu, which is the uh, CEO of Breaking the Silence. Um Tamar Zandberg was Tamar here. Zandberg, Michael who was Oren was Meritz, here. Michael Oren, but we, you know, we also have, of course, had people on more our side of the political aisle. But we love doing that, and we think it's. I think that's kind of the most important part of this podcast in general about not necessarily podcasting, but about having conversations, is listening to the other side, and you know, freedom of speech. Right. You got to hear. And, and you listen. had you had an argument with her with Yara about the patriarchy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how much we want to get into it, but uh, do we have like an hour and a half? Okay. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. The, the idea, I, I said this also on the podcast, so you guys will hear it on the episode, but I just feel like the idea of patri- the patriarchy is this. Um, it, it, to me, it's extreme. I mean, I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand what it's trying to uh, say. Okay. I mean, like to me, it seems like If you're saying that men are, I don't know, physically more powerful than women, is that what it means? That men stand like are, I don't the, even dominant, know what it means. are the dominant gender of uh, in, our, in our species? Right. The, j- dominant physically, uh, which when you get down to And the base— No, but when you get down to the basics— No, so that's what I would tie together. But, but what I'm saying is if you're trying to just claim that men are the dominant— physical uh, uh, gender or, or sex in our species, then that doesn't seem to me like a social construct. And I think there's, therein lies the problem, that they're trying to paint the hierarchical structure of the human species as some kind of social construct, mm-hmm. construct that we can break down and, and, and reorganize. And okay. we can say, okay, this isn't how it should be. Um, but I think it totally misses the point. Because I don't think that what has equalized 
sort of the standing of men and women is is saying okay we need to bring down men and and reduce their power in the world and make women more powerful or any i don't think that's what has changed uh i don't know the 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 way the world works or the way the world is i think what's changed is the fact that freedom has become a a a central value in western society freedom doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman you can you know do what you want you can work as what you want it relates to our previous discussion yeah it doesn't matter it's not a matter of uh today i mean it's not perfect today but what i'm saying is the more you highlight the aspect of freedom and the less you highlight this idea that like men have been dominating women since the beginning of time i think that's an awful idea i heard jordan peterson who i'm a huge fan of talk Surprise. about yeah talk about uh talk about this and he says you know you think about it it's like it's such an abomination like men and women have been living side by side and raising children and building this world we live in for like you know all of history and to say that men i mean yeah there have been evil powerful men throughout history but there have also been good strong powerful men and there have been women just right there alongside them and i think it's just this like skewed perspective on but history the only thing is women face problems that men don't when it comes to for example like sexual go, abuse yeah sexual abuse yeah. abuse and in war especially in work at work uh, if you if you're an attractive woman you face and it's and in the military and in in the police you face some problems and you can mm-hmm. very easily find yourself in a situation and i've unfortunately i also witnessed it and it's 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 no, a I very it's that's... a very problematic situation where like some your superiors are flirting with you what do you do what do you do yeah like you're that gets in a really dicey it's you're, like what's you're in a loose situation yeah. Yeah. And and I think that I think that obviously sexual harass sexual abuse and sexual harassment I mean that's the idea is freedom right so you don't have the right to do anything to anybody coercively right but as a, it can be man. so gray sometimes So yeah then so then it gets yeah then it gets really complex right uh what are what are the you know appropriate lines and how do we define them so I think we should be pretty line? fierce about that absolutely fiercer than today um yeah. okay we're on youtube by the way yes guys. we are on youtube please go Hopefully to youtube this will be on youtube this will be on if youtube we can figure an, how to yeah and figure enhanced, out the interwebs yeah yeah in an enhanced ad- uh, um, edition uh, yeah. edition um so go to youtube just type two nice jewish boys and subscribe it helps us subscribe and apparently it's very important to hit the, the bell, bell icon. icon right so hit the bell and subscribe it's just one more click Come yeah on. So please do it. It helps us. And so, yeah, I, it looks like, Eitan, um, if nothing like crazy happens... We, we get are, another vacation day. Yeah, we get another vacation day and we're you going... You don't, because you're a freelancer. Yeah. I do. <laughs> we're going to elections, it looks. Uh, Gantz has man. 16 days left yeah. to form a coalition. Right now, it doesn't look like anything's happening. 
Yeah. I wonder what the statistics are on like how long it generally takes to form a coalition. Like if a coalition is formed, how long is it in the first week? Is it in the first 10 days? It usually lasts to the... It's like the the, the whole statistic about kidnappers. Like, right, if you're not saved within the first minute, you're probably dead. Yeah. So it's like if the coalition isn't formed in the first week... Yeah. eh. No, it usually it forms in the last days. Ah, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in usually They usually eat up all the 28 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, each side, like all the different parties have demands. And the guy who is forming the coalition refuses. And you have negotiations. And then in the last minute, so who knows? Uh, so Maybe who knows? But it doesn't seem when you look possible. at the way the cards are stacked, it kind of it seems impossible. Right? Because basically, you're probably more equipped to Gantz break it down. Has, Gantz has now 44. You need 61 to form a coalition, or you can have a minority government if if you have because a simple majority. Netanyahu has means, 55 mandates yeah. with him. His 50, he has a, a chunk of 55 parliament members including himself so ideally if guns get 61 he can form a coalition but if he gets 56 he can also form a coalition because he, he has, has more than, than netanyahu's, than netanyahu's yeah. 55 the problem guns has is f- he has 44 the people from netanyahu's chunk the 55 will never uh, supposedly cross the lines so yeah. he can't count on them. So he's left with two parties, Lieberman's party and the Arabs' joint party. Lieberman isn't enough because he's eight. Lieberman's is eight. That gives him 52. He's and still he less. will not sit with merits also. Yeah, but let, let's just let's, say he yeah. would. Uh, not enough. It's eight. Yeah, it's more It's more probable that the Arab party would join. The only problem is the Arab pro- party is made of several little parties. And the most extreme one, which is, I think, Balad, yes, mm-hmm. they're the most extreme little, little party there in the joint. They, together, they have 13 mandates. Mm-hmm. But without them, the, the so extreme with one, them, they just, have 10. So with, wait, but with all 13, 44 plus 13, it would be 57, enough, to, he, break, enough to do a minority but government. The problem is these three extreme ones, extremists, yeah. they will never do it and then he has 54 exactly which is still which is still and not Lieberman enough. will never vote with the Arabs so you can't get Lieberman and any of the Arab parties right basically and vice versa yeah so there's no <laughs> constellation the only constellation which seemed plausible for a, a little while at the beginning of this uh, coalition cycle or coalition negotiation cycle was that there would might be a unity government where Gantz would sit with the right wing parties or with maybe just Bibi. Yeah, but, but Bibi since, won't separate from his yeah. posse. And it didn't happen all through. I mean, there was a, an offer, a uh, uh, mitve uh, right. proposal made by the president, Rivlin. Right, for us, splitting uh, it half and half, more and, or less. And it was turned down. Um, so it doesn't seem like it would make any sense why it would suddenly work out now. No. So no, we're, we're going to third elections. Yeah, probably in the beginning of March. All right. So we have Naor's official prediction, yes. guys. If you think Write he's wrong, down. comment, tell us. So I wanted I I approached Aton the other day and I was like, let's go to a movie. Yeah. And we're going tonight. Yeah, we're going tonight. But you have not, to give me credit. Yeah, we are going. But uh, like, so. Well, okay. So it, you wanted to go. I mean, we are going at 940 at night. And it's a two-hour movie. So? So that puts me back home way past my bedtime. How old are you? Uh, you don't ask. 
You don't ask a, a lady. gentleman. You don't ask a lady that. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? You, I'm 30. I'm not assuming your gender. So. I'm th- yeah, <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to piss off any of our past guests. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't. Uh, you, you don't presume the age of enter gender. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, I don't know, man. I'm 30, but it seems to me that like we're. I'm gonna get home past 12. Okay. When do you wake up? Uh. I don't know, like seven, seven fifteen. So seven hours of sleep. I don't necessarily go to sleep early, but I need to be home early. I okay, see. I'm like, I'm like a, I'm either like a very small child or like a very old man. However you want to look <laughs> at it, I need to be in my house at an early hour. You know, I, I like to read the paper. I like to watch the news. Right. I like feed to, the cat. I like to feed the cat. I have a girlfriend, okay? <laughs> this needs to be said at this point. All right? Otherwise, when one start, night off, I might start seeming like I fit the profile Once of a, a serial year. killer. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit, I don't know. It's uh it's it's a bit late for me, 9:40 <laughs> to go to a movie, but I think I will see. You might have to wake me up at the end. Okay. <laughs> I might I'll I might, fill you in. Yeah. We're it's kind of like going to a movie with your dad, you know? Right. I'll be like asleep. Even snoring. my dad is more young going than you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My granddad. I don't know why I live in Tel Aviv anymore. Right, people you invite go to Givatan. people invite me to like bars and clubs, and it just like stresses me out. Like the idea of, like I don't, I don't like the idea of being cool. I think there's something it that shows. puts me off about right. <laughs> about being like cool and hip. It's just like it's too much effort. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Like why? I mean, for you, it's you. You come out as cool effortlessly. Uh, yeah. It's just you look know, at you. It just comes beer. natural. It just yeah. comes natural. Beer. This is the shirt. only thing that's come natural to me my <laughs> whole life. Alcohol. <laughs> so we saved the most interesting topic for last, and that's been a huge controversy. Here. I just read about it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It was. First of all, I watched a a, a short clip about him. Okay, let's we'll, we'll we'll tell you guys who he is in a minute. Okay. And it was it it really moved me. Right. Like, and you're not easily band, moved. No. no Last I'm time not. you moved was I'm not. Yeah. When Trump was, was tonight elected to go out to this movie. Yeah, and go to the movie. And okay. uh no, but seriously, it's um it, it, this man's like life uh mission is just unbelievable. The name of this man, he's Rabbi Philip. Yeah. Who is he? So he's, I mean, I don't know much about him. Again, I just read about it last night. But basically, he leads uh, a non-for-profit organization, uh, a charity organization, basically, that matches uh, patients that are terminal, uh, not terminal, but that are on the, basically on the precipice of death, and matches them with the best fit uh, medical treatment that they can get, whether it's a doctor or a special treatment right. or some special machine that they need. He's a self-taught. He's self-taught, and he matches. He matches these people up. He gets, you know, it doesn't have to tens be... of thousands of calls, right? A and year. basically, a year. I think more a year. I think it's like I think in one month they mentioned in this article that there was like eleven thousand or right. something in a month. Right, right. So he, uh, but he gets thousands and thousands of calls. And he, he picks basically who to match, you know, based on what's the most dire situation. Because in Judaism, there's an idea of chayei sha'ah, right? Which is basically, the, the concept is halakhically that any second of life you can give, you mm-hmm. can grant to someone, is is like 
basically surpasses everything, right? Yeah. So you can break Shabbat, you can break Yom Kippur, you can do whatever you want. You can break all the laws of, almost all the laws of Judaism in order to give someone one more second of life. Right. So he picks the person who's in the most dire situation, flies them across the, you know, spends tens of thousands of dollars to give them the treatment and asks for nothing in return. Yeah. How does he get, yeah. How does he get this money? Obviously from donations. Donations, yeah. And that's where this became, you know, a scandal. So essentially, they I, they threw out a charity event. Yeah, here in to Tel raise Aviv. donations. Yeah, we've performed, to save lives. Yeah, to, and and to honor him as well. Yeah, and to honor him. But I, I come on, I think that if it was just to honor him, he would be like, no, thank you. Right, right. Meaning the point of this was to get rich people there to spend money. Yeah, and to spend money so that they could help save people's lives. And since he's religious, obviously, it turned out one of the uh, one of the bands have a woman singer, and they asked her not to join the performance in this particular event so that the rabbi won't hear women sing. Yeah. Although it's it's worth mentioning, women will be on stage. One of the hosts. Is a woman. Is a woman. There are women. Which, uh, and there are women members audience, of the band who play instruments. And it's mixed audience, so there is no segregation, separation between uh, men and fem- and women. Which I, you know, I think honestly is irrelevant. I really think it's irrelevant. I I. I but wait, I, let's let's finish yeah. the the point. So so, yeah. but but liberals here in Israel, some of the artists as well who were supposed to to participate and like tel aviv liberals and all and feminists also uh were uh, outraged yeah and they were like how dare they tell women not to perform yeah uh if it if it bothers him then he should leave the room when the woman goes up on stage yeah um so i I i'm not even sure how involved he was in the decision right but um but there was so basically the artists back. There were a couple of artists that backed out. Yeah, uh, and but said we can't. but most of them, even women artists, said like this time we're sticking like because it's such an important cause, we'll, <clears throat> we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. And I I happen to have had an argument about it like with friends who who said this is outrageous, and I outrageous. Was like, what is outrageous? That that they w- ask women not <clears throat> to perform. And uh, my point was, look, but it's a private event. That's, yeah. that's uh, it's a private event, and um, so like they could like they pay. Yeah, the the artists are volunteering, but they they don't force anyone to volunteer. No, but then then the counter argument is, well, yeah, it's a private event. They are welcome to do it, but you know these artists, if it doesn't sit well with their you know with their conscience. Yeah, but nobody then conscience. Then they can uh, yeah, they but, can back out. But that's okay. But nobody said anything to these artists. Who, like I think the organizers have no problem with the artists who say, "Okay, this we won't do it." But the thing is, no. But I I have but, a problem with okay. The, I but think but that's... people said it doesn't matter if some artists back out because this this event should not take place. It 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 sends a message. That woman's voice is is a disaster. It's an abomination, and and if it's a slippery slope. Because no, so so I don't think anybody's actually 
uh, I mean, I don't know. There was an event recently where there was segregation of women and men. All the time. Event in the All the North, time you uh, have it. Uh, North... Talas Smotrich, right, attended. You had in Tiberias. And you, all the time you have and, events. In, and and in it was Haifa. almost called off, the event, right? right. Because but there was the, some kind these, of government funding Exactly. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. So my friend said in the argument when I told them, look, it's a private event. They said, yeah, but the hall where they do it is owned by Tel Aviv municipality. Oh, God. <laughs> so, like, but they paid for it. Like, Tel Aviv yeah. municipality is renting these halls to... Yeah, but how could Tel Aviv municipality profiteer off such a horrible, horrible, horrible abomination? A sin. Exactly. It's, it, it seems to me just like... Like, oh, okay, I don't agree with the idea of not having... Not being able to listen to yeah, a woman's I mean, voice. when you sing, it's much... Yeah. It's much it's, yeah, more it's, it's deafening. Much, yeah, it's like hearing a woman. Sing. <laughs> it's worse. Uh, yeah. yeah, the dying woman. <laughs> no, but seriously, I I I dis I don't get the idea of like not being able to hear a woman sing. But it's that's that's the crux of it. It's like so you don't agree. So what? First of all, so you don't agree. So what? Like it doesn't matter if it's a bar mitzvah or I don't care what it what kind of event it is. If they don't want to have women perform because and it's whoever's event it is, they just they agree that that's what they don't want and that's the values they live by. Then that's it's a private event. Why can you do their it? values? And I, I can hear people saying like you know, uh, oh well, it's values to like you know genital mutilation, and it's like that's not the same. There's no like there's no coercion or physical uh, harm done to anybody. They don't want to. Perf- they don't want women to perform. They don't want to pay. They don't want to spend their money on women to perform. Again, I don't agree with it. I think it's stupid. But but more so than that, when it's an event to save lives this guy also doesn't only just save lives of Haredi kids he yeah. saves like he he doesn't ask questions at all right in this and anyone can approach him it can be anybody it could be a jewish non-jewish girl boy religious secular doesn't right. matter this man is doing like an amazing service to society and then like mush benari when he has the opportunity famous to, like, singer mush benari is a famous singer who backed out has the opportunity to take part in, like, I would be honored to. So mm-hmm. I have to put aside the value, my value. Of, it's a crush of I values, think, you must admit. I don't, that's what I'm saying. That, I think, that they, I think that people are like, we're in this stage where people think that any value is an, op- it's virtue signaling, right? So it's like any opportunity I have to show that I have some kind of value, I'll take it and I'll put that value on a pedestal above all other values so that people know that I have this value. Uh-huh. But, like, you have to have a hierarchy of values. Like, if someone's life is at risk, it's more important than not calling someone a him or a her. Right. Right? So it's like, or allowing a woman to sing on stage. So it's like, Look, that's... If, 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 if I, I would get it if Tel Aviv Municipality said, like, um, we, we... What I told in the argument to those people, I said, you know what, if... if if Tel Aviv municipalities said they won't rent halls to events anymore, that would be okay, like to private events. Because the problem is, 
you, you either let any everybody rent your hall or you let nobody. I don't in know the why middle, they own halls. You'll, you'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you you otherwise you'll have to start have like you'll have people working in the municipality deciding yeah. like a little court deciding like which event fits your va- this is it's endless. Yeah. And and so, so what, what basically you, what you're saying is the hall only goes to people who what fit one value set? Like, I don't understand. Isn't if it's owned by the municipality, which is a part of the government, which is supposed to represent the people, and part of those people want to use that hall for a certain purpose, isn't it their right just as much as any other people that are in the society? Yes. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. But there's this outrage around it because it's like, oh no, women can't stand on stage and sing. I think... Again, which, I think it's not. Uh, I doesn't. People are afraid. Right. It's slippery slope, which leads us to an, uh, the last topic, which is not here, but I'll tell you about it. The there was a big co- uh, controversy about. Um, we're running out of battery here. About. Um, oh no. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, we we don't have a government for almost a year, right? So all kinds of strange things happen because of it. And one of those things is people that, you know, in Israel, there's a status quo when it comes to uh, pig meat, mm-hmm. like pork. And uh, did you hear this story? No. No, but I know the, I know like the original law. Right. And anyway, so there's a status yeah. quo. And since forever, since 94, since Rabin administration, you are allowed to import some kind, some parts of the pork, like, uh, t- um, I don't the guts of the pork and all kinds of uh, the, okay. the fat of the pork. And recently, since Derry, who's religious, is the minister of uh, internal affairs, and um, recently they put out a new law that says I- in order to bring any kind of pork meat, it has to have a kosher certificate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sent it to me. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Which, which renders ineffective, uh, like renders it, pointless yeah it just goes to show how (laughs) bureaucracy works right it's like well we can't get it so let's make up a completely illogical (laughs) rule so this this so essentially religious parts of government use take took advantage of the fact that there is chaos now because there is no government and put out this law and now the the prices of, of pork will skyrocket and it's expensive as it is we should open up a like a organization a rabbinate and uh and give kashrut to (laughs) different pig items be like ha this is kosher Uh, (laughs) this is yeah that would be illegal kosher with Um, a q (laughs) but um anyway so yeah so what people essentially are afraid of is that you start by by the it starts with the little things like not, not allowing women to sing on stages and it might end in being a jewish state and less a democratic state so, so yeah we yeah. have people like nick nicky is writing oh we have some uh we yeah. have some comments he, he says seems there's always scandal going on from those who are afraid truth will set people free oh uh, yeah i think it's true uh people are afraid of People are afraid of the truth. You can't handle the truth. Right. Uh, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, there is no bottom line with the pork story. But, but I think it's interesting. I think the, on truth, by the way, it's like it's on the point of Nick Nicky. Yeah. 
Nick Nicky. We have a bunch of comments there. Yeah, like Shalom from CT, Shalom from Cordoba, Brazil, Shalom from Bloomington, Indiana. Well, let's give him out a shout out. Let's give a shout yeah. out, out to uh, Flavio Barbalat and Leo Weinstein Monk and Jaden Falcone. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Thanks, guys, for commenting. And share, share, spread the word about if you like the podcast, please send it to your I like, friends and family. <laughs> Roberto Cernach wrote bye bye from Italy. <laughs> like, I guess I guess he like tuned in for a second and was like, All right, I'm out. <laughs> um, um yeah. anyway, but to speak to the point of the truth, I think it's like people are like afraid to realize that they're like it's it's like this desire to feel like there is a truth. Right. Like that you know the truth, right? That I think causes all these scandals. It's like, wait a second. We can remember that, like, we don't know, right? We're not certain that the things we know, we know, and right. And it's like that I am right, and Mm -hmm. it goes back to that absolute truth. But it's like, yeah, I don't think it should be as gray as like not give, not knowing what the truth is. But yeah, I lost you completely. Anyway, well. You know, maybe it's maybe it's after, Nick Nicky. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Nicky, you know you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Nicky. <laughs> um so that that is it, more or less. Thank you guys for tuning in. Before we go, first of all, if you like the podcast, subscribe. We're on iTunes, yes, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, YouTube, everywhere. So go to all those places, hit subscribe and follow us, huge, make us the center of your universe. Right. Huge thank you to our roots Sheva. Yes, they are. We're collaborating with them. They're a great place to get updates about everything that's going on in Israel in English. They have a gorgeous website full of interesting, fascinating stories. Mm-hmm. Check them out at israelnationalnews.com. We also, also have a collaboration with the Jewish Journal guys, who yes. has great columns, great podcasts. They give well, an LA perspective. Yeah, so uh, Jewish Journal is based out in LA. They have great podcasts from David Suisa, who has some amazing guests. He gets some Rosner. of the top names out in LA. Uh, Shmuel Rosner has a podcast there, and in general, they have great they have great content. So check them out, JewishJournal.com. Also, we have. We have the chosen one game.com. Use our promo code 2NJB and you get a discount. Number two. It's a great, great gift. Yeah, the number 2NJB is the promo code. Uh, you, it's a great gift for Hanukkah, for the holidays. So uh, so check them out. Uh, support them, support our show. And, and we accept donations, guys. We do this on our free time. So, uh, you so if you want to help quite us a set out. Up here. Yeah. It yeah, takes yeah. a lot of effort. So we're still we're still trying to get a, a, a studio on top of Azraeli. So right. you know we need a we need a couple or under a bridge million. in the central bus station. Yeah, well either one will do. <laughs> uh, but seriously, we do this on our free time. So if you want to help us out, uh, go to two NJB the number two NJB dot com slash donate. Um, that is it. So yeah. entertain the guests. I want to put the outro. Entertain the audience. Ah, I'm uh, supposed to entertain the audience. Yeah, what do I do? Should I, I sing? Know. Yeah. We already talked about how that's a bad idea. No, I don't know. Just shout out to someone. Okay. Uh, tell, tell shout them about, out to my tell them, mom. <laughs> <laughs> tell them about. Hey, mom. <laughs> I love you. Upcoming guests. Upcoming guests. So we're we're interviewing Ronen Bergman tomorrow. Ronen Bergman was the author of Rise Up uh, and Kill First, which is a, a book about the Mossad. We already interviewed him about that Kill book. Kill Fold. Uh, we're, we we have Hillel Fold who we interviewed. Hillel Fold is a tech blogger. Uh, knows so much about the startup industry and just told us all about like startups and 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 what it's like here check them out guys thank you for tuning in 
uh, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Or even this week, on Thursday or Wednesday. Bye. Bye, guys.